Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are back here to talk about another famous Nickelodeon child star turned adult with some issues, but honestly, this particular one turned the tables on everyone by writing a book entitled, I'm Glad My Mom Died. This is Jeanette McCurdy. And every time I say the name McCurdy, I feel like I'm like saying something else in like a silly accent, like McCarty, but it's like McCurdy. See, I think of cheese curds, like Wisconsin cheese curds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling a little for some McCurdy's up there. (laughs) Oh, I I am feeling in the mood for some McCurdy's up in here. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Jeanette was a really well-known Nickelodeon star she is cute as a button it's clear why she became famous and she kind of had a similar story to Amanda Bynes who we did last week and it's just it's fascinating how she turned the tables and just shocked everybody with this crazy book title and her story I mean she is just really really interesting and I didn't know we're gonna get into it in a second Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that she was Mormon I know I think it it must have been like a short-ish stint well no I guess not like she was no longer Mormon by the time she was on these bigger TV shows, but I guess for like a good part of her younger childhood, she was, and the whole family was. Yeah. And I wonder how long she went along with that. Like, yeah, which probably played into things like the, you know, God fearing, like, Oh, you're do things right. You're going to go to hell type of thing. Like, yeah, for real, for real. Yeah. And I, I wonder how quickly the wool was kind of pulled off of her eyes because she yeah. obviously figured things out at some point and the mm-hmm. truth came out as it always does eventually. So it's yeah. it's a really interesting story for sure. Yeah. And I think so this one goes in like what we're going to talk about a lot here, too, is more so um, the stuff with her mom in this one, because we did kind of cover her a bit with with Dan Schneider in our lovely Dan Schneider episode. And it's God, I just feel really bad for her after learning what we did about her with her relationship with Dan Schneider and now seeing like when she went home, what she was dealing with and and the family life that she had to like, I don't know how she came out on the other side at all. No, me neither. And to go through all this and to come out as successful a writer as she did and as successful a star. I mean, it really is very surprising that she even survived a lot of this because she went through outright abuse. She went through a lot with Dan Schneider that we would think would be tantamount to abuse, even if it wasn't abuse per se, as we kind of covered in that episode There was just a lot of weirdness between her and Dan Schneider. And as with all of the child stars on Nickelodeon during Dan Schneider's reign there, there was just this crazy power dynamic. And it was so entirely skewed in Dan's favor. These kids were out here to impress him. They were out here to become stars. And a lot of the time we sort of touched on it um, a couple of weeks ago. But a lot of these parents of the child stars were involved and they're pulling the strings. They're negotiating contracts. They're getting in there with Dan Schneider. They're talking about terms and conditions. The child is really getting very little say in anything. Absolutely. And it's especially scary. We covered this too, 
because all of this took place in Florida, where Nickelodeon Studios right. is located, there are very few protections in place for child stars. So these kids just were up shit creek without a paddle. And a lot of the time, their parents were just kind of the ones maximizing the current and heading them towards Seriously. the waterfall. Yeah, like if Dan's the shark, these parents are like throwing him overboard, like into his straight into his jaws. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty sick. And Jeanette, we'll get into it, but Jeanette's mom is definitely one of those parents too, kind of the living vicariously through her child and enmeshment and all that type of stuff um, we'll see in here too. So it's really just a very toxic environment all around for her. A hundred percent. And we haven't read the book yet. I bought the book and it just came. I'm so excited. Yeah. I can't wait to get into it. And um, it's actually a funny story because my mom saw the book sitting out on the dining room table and I had left it there because I had just ordered it and kind of unwrapped it and left it. And she saw the book and she brought it up and she said, what's with this book? I'm glad my mom (laughs) died, like sort of accusatory. And I said, oh, I I started to stammer out an answer like, oh, that's Jeanette McCurdy. She's the Nickelodeon star. And my mom just breaks in and she goes, I read some of it. It is hilarious. Oh, phew. Oh, my God. So was she like, was just bringing it up. But, oh, my gosh. I was horrified to think that at first that yeah. she would think that I was. Yeah. She's like, is this a plot? Or exactly. Or like... Exactly. Like, oh, my gosh. Good but God. yeah, but it's apparently just super well written. So many people have recommended it. It's on so many hot lists and recommended yeah. by so many people. And apparently it's really well written, too. I don't know if she used a ghostwriter at all, but she just has a real way with words and a way of describing things in a very illuminating way. So that's really cool to see. So like we always like to do, give a little bit of background on Jeanette. She was born June 26, 1992. Does that make her a Gemini or is she outside of it? She's outside of she it, She is isn't unfortunately she? a cancer. Yeah. Um, and, but we'll find out that her mom is the real cancer if you catch my dress. <laughs> oh, but she actually has cancer. She and she has cancer. cancer. So there's a lot of cancer mm, going on here. There but is. yeah, June 26 puts her squarely in the cancer column, ah. which is very upsetting. Yeah. But she is a June baby. So we love that. Yeah, there you go. At least got that. She was raised in Garden Grove, California, in a relatively poor Mormon family. And like we were saying, she ultimately left the religion in her early adulthood, which we don't really go into in this, but I think I bet it's probably covered in the book a bit. So you'll have to say, like, once you get to that point, kind of what happened there, because, yeah, I'll have to report back. Yeah. My Mormon fascination with the whole thing. Um her mother, Deborah, so we're getting we're also getting into some fundy stuff here. Her mother, Deborah, homeschooled Jeanette and her three older brothers. So we're already getting the isolation, the very religious, all that stuff. Which is so funny too, because like when I think about Jeanette McCurdy and her character on Nickelodeon, that character was in no way sheltered. Like she was kind of the more, now again, it wasn't vulgar, vulgar because it was a children's program. Right. But by the same token, she was sort of the more, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I hate the word, but like kind of quirky, kind of out there. I don't know. Exactly. What's on her mind type of person. Yes. Yeah. Kind of tough cookie of the bunch. So it's crazy to think that she was a fundy really and raised in a fundy household. Yeah, like totally isolated, which is already going to screw up 
your, you know, social skills and all. For sure. For sure. No offense to anyone listening who's a homeschooler, but Mm. maybe think about some other option. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Her father worked for a kitchen design company and her mom sometimes worked at shifts at Target. So when she was two or three years old, her mother, like we're saying, was diagnosed with breast cancer, underwent several surgeries, chemotherapy, and ultimately a bone marrow transplant and survived, which I think is, that's like pretty intense. Like I think that's pretty crazy. And I think that all that implies that her cancer was pretty severe and metastatic because I don't know why chemo you wouldn't normally hear about if- the cancer hadn't traveled to other places within right. the body other than the breast. So that's one kind of signifier. And then the bone marrow transplant oh. to me says it must have migrated to the bone or yeah. I would I assume. Don't even, yeah, I don't even know. But like, yeah, I would I would have to think. And that's apparently pretty painful too. Oh, um, yeah. I've heard yeah. that that's no fun. Oh, God. But she survived. She's so a survivor. It's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um. So Jeanette describes her home life as very stressful and violent. Ugh, it's just like everything gets thrown at her. Her mom was a hoarder and filled their house with items that the family couldn't afford. So we've already got one TLC show. Actually, we've already got a couple TLC shows going here. That's so true. And ones that we love, of course. Yeah. But what's crazy, too, is that must have built up a lot of resentment because if they're quite poor and if right. she constantly is seeing her mom like splurge on these items just to hoard them in the house, that <sighs> must have just made her feel so resentful. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like her whole family, too. And the the dad, her her husband, who, by the way, will find out stayed married to this woman until she died. And I'm just like, God knows why. why. Yeah. If she can hold down a man, what's wrong with us? I know. What are we doing wrong? Got to start hoarding. Go to the psychic and call up Mrs. (laughs) McCurdy because she might have some lessons that we can live by here. She could. Never know. But yeah, they so they were very pretty poor um, and their living conditions, Jeanette described as she and her brothers had to sleep on mats on the floor instead of beds, which uh, I don't know. This is all getting into child abuse territory here. Big time. I'm surprised child protective services didn't show up and just like whisk them away. Neighbors definitely threatened to call uh, CPS on them, though, many times because they'd hear screaming matches through the f- family's front door and uh, Deborah was constantly fighting with and disparaging Jeanette's father, sometimes even becoming violent. And one time she actually chased him with a knife. So, Sounds like a lovely mother who is totally fit to take care oh of Jeanette and her brothers. Yeah, yeah. We're doing good. Like really doing Solid. well over here. I'm yeah. sure that didn't build up any long lasting trauma or anything. No, just stay out of the way of, of the knife and go sleep on your mat. Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, curl up on your mat while your oh. mom buys expensive toys to hoard in the house. And tries to stab your dad. Like, yeah, great. Like, We're sounds good. calming. So- What I know Jeanette from and what I think a lot of people know Jeanette from is her breakthrough role as Sam Puckett in the Nickelodeon sitcom iCarly. And she starred on iCarly from 2007 through 2012. So that's a good long time, about five years there, which is really impressive, honestly. And Jeanette ended up reprising this character of Sam Puckett in the iCarly spinoff series Sam and Cat. And that went from 2013 to 2014. And at that point, she left Nickelodeon altogether. And in 2017, just a few years after that, 
she announced that she was officially retiring from acting, which kind of ringing the same bell as Amanda. I think it was around yeah. the same period of time, too, that yeah. they both announced, which is interesting. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's a big thing to to say. And I mean, after talking, you know, discussing Amanda's situation, I think she was obviously starting to spiral into some mental health situations. Jeanette definitely, you know, has some mental health situations here, too. But I feel like it's a different different thing going on for both of them. So it is interesting to see kind of the different reasons or the, you know, even with their different scenarios, they both kind of came to the same conclusion. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Even though it may have taken different forms and maybe it manifested in different ways with each of these women, it obviously did manifest in one way or the other. And it was clear what these mental health issues were coming from, right? or at least- you know, 99.9% sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So after she retired from acting, Jeanette went on to various other endeavors, including writing, as we know, directing and podcasting. And I think it's been said that writing actually is sort of more of her true passion. She never really wanted to act. Jeanette actually has said, I believe that now that she's free from her mother's clutches, that writing is more her speed and that she never really wanted to be a child star to begin with. She never really wanted to act, but she was sort of just forced into it by her mom. So I think now she's doing what she really wants to do just to flash forward a little bit. And it's really great that she is doing those other things and seems to be really great at them. I mean, yeah, like for this being her first major book, it's like all you heard about when it was released. Oh, yeah. And it's like selling out left and right. It was really hard to get a copy. So good for her. Yeah, this is just serving as a little overview before we get into how all of this sort of went down. In 2022, like we said this year, she released a very well-reviewed and best-selling memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died. And guys, the book describes everything from her career as a child star to her life with an abusive mother to the feelings associated with her mother's passing once she did finally die it's a really interesting psychological read according to just everybody i mean the reviews are rave people are going wild for this book so i i can't wait to read it and i can't wait to give a synopsis yeah you're gonna have to let us know because yeah yeah and i'll give it to you when i'm done seriously well i'm just i like it just is so funny that your mom was like it was hilarious so I don't know. It just and sounds I fully expected good, her to be you know. like, what is yeah, this? Exactly. Exactly. Are you trying to so, kill me? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So basically, so what we're going to talk about today, since we've now given a little bit of an overview, is a lot of her relationship with her mother, because we focused a lot on her relationship with Dan Schneider ahead of time a couple episodes ago. And now we're just going to look at what is the interaction with a toxic parent slash a momager, a mom manager, and just these child actors who the the two are just so completely enmeshed and there's an unhealthy relationship between parent-child. They're really, it's not a normal parent-child relationship when it turns into manager and actor or, you know, money maker and money user. So I think that's what we're really going to get into here today. Well, and even too, like, it's even unhealthy when your mom isn't as, you know, mentally unstable as Jeanette's mom. So add that into the mix. And it's just like, that's such a good point. Like the jumping off point alone of 
hey, my mom is now my manager and she's now controlling the finances. She's holding the pocketbook strings, but I'm the one making the money. Right. That already is a little bit of a toxic dynamic and it does throw a wrench into the parent-child relationship. But if you add in a mother who is as abusive and ill mentally as Jeanette's mother was, well, we'll see what happens because it's it's a heck of a story. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Although she comes out the other side. So. She does. She does. There's a happy ending. Yes. Um, and it happens when her mom dies. <laughs> God. <laughs> All she had to do was wait for oh, her to go. And now seriously. she's good to go. Ugh. All right. So she began acting at the age of six. But kind of like we were saying, it wasn't her decision at all. It was really her mom. I mean, at six, too. Like, what who can really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Who is like poised to make that choice? Right. Who has the ability to really say yes to something like that? It's obvious that the parents are the drivers. And yeah. even with these, um, we talked about Brittany Murphy just being oh, yeah. like obsessed with the acting from like childhood. I mean, I think that's more the exception than the rule. I agree. That she just like knew she wanted to act and it was yeah. so clear in any footage you saw of her oh, even, like yeah kid. even that news footage do you remember that yes like, or like amateur interview. news footage or whatever it was just like whoa yeah yeah she was like really charismatic oh yeah completely but I think this is just much more likely the situation yeah absolutely um so her mother always wanted to be an actress when she was younger she said that her parents wouldn't let her get into that so now she's putting all her dreams on Jeanette and she went full force. She went like toddlers and tiaras before it was toddlers and tiaras style. Um, she signed her up for intensive acting classes and dancing classes at, at the age of, I don't know, six, seven, eight, like you're in first, second grade. I can't even imagine what her life was like. Um, here we go. This is a John Bonet we got right here. She began bleaching her hair and whitening her teeth when Jeanette was only 10. That is so upsetting. And that just like speaks to long-term damage. I mean, 10 year old teeth. Like, do you even, are you even done with your baby teeth? No, I don't think so. (laughs) And to bleach a kid's hair when it's like fresh baby hairs, like, come on. Yeah. That just, and bleach of anything, like coloring, like harsh chemicals. Yeah, Yeah. a child. Oh my gosh. That's awful. And Jeanette's mom really like ran the whole show here. She decided what roles she would audition for, what she wore to these auditions. And she even kind of like told her how to actually act during these auditions. So it was kind of just a full puppet or doll or whatever you want to say is kind of how she treated her. She took her to these auditions. And I think this is awful. It probably happens all the time, but she took her when she was even seriously under the weather too, which is awful. Really sad. Yeah. And by the time she was 10 or 11, this is where it gets really bad. I feel like with the whole acting thing, it really starts. She was the main financial support for the family, which was extremely stressful for a 10 or 11 year old. Yeah. Can you imagine just carrying your whole family on your back like that? And not to diminish it if you have a smaller family, but she had a big family, a big Mormon family. So like- To have all of them depending on you when they're your parents, it's right. classic parentified child right there. Oh, absolutely. And I, I didn't say it up front, but their grandma, I think, was also living with them. So let's throw in one more family member. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, you're also supporting granny on top yeah. of everything else. God, like, I can't even imagine. 
And then at the age of 13, she landed the iCarly role. And this is when, you know, she's making the big bucks now, but the stakes just get higher too. Yeah. And uh, well, first of all, I have to say this all, just this line of thought and this line of facts reminds me so much of every single Disney movie ever where the protagonist, for example, take Troy Bolton, wants to do something different than what his parent wanted to do. And there's always a critical moment in those movies where the parent says to the child, but you're throwing away your dream. And then the child says, no, dad, I'm throwing away your dream. Literally, like it was her life. Like what a mockery. And then before we go into this next section, this is where it gets pretty brutal. And we just did want to offer a little trigger warning for all of our listeners. For those folks who are triggered by eating disorder, information, or sexual abuse, this might be a good time to turn off the old podcast and go to something a little lighter because things did get pretty rough for Jeanette at this point moving forward. So now that all of the triggered people have left, hopefully, if you didn't leave yet, then get out of here now. We're going to get into some of the specific abuse and just the toxic aspects of Jeanette's relationship with her mother. So starting on the eating disorder topic, Jeanette was introduced to calorie restriction by her mother when she was only 11 years old. And of course, this eventually developed into a full-blown eating disorder, which how could it not? I just feel like that is also even independent of your mother introducing it to you. The classic age of like that kind of middle school, entering middle school where so many girls start to develop this eating disorders on their own too. So yeah, it's no wonder that it just progressed, you know, to an extreme level. That's so true. It's such like an awkward age and already you're feeling not yourself and not great in your skin. And a lot of kids, I just remember the big term when we were around 11 was, oh, so-and-so's just got her baby fat still. Oh God. Yeah. Everybody was, has their baby fat with boys. It was always, oh, he's just husky, whatever. I will say for a time there, my uniform kilt at Flint and O'Hara was the husky size they had husky yeah Yeah. I'm sure mine was too because let me tell you they were not in Britney Spears size uniforms that was the first time I was introduced to that term so way to go Catholic school so painful like let's make these kids ashamed of themselves nice and early so that they won't be taken off guard later on yeah absolutely just to encourage Jeanette's eating disorder her mother would apparently measure all of Jeanette's body dimensions all the time. So this was just another way that she completely perpetuated the eating disorder that Jeanette was already developing and would just commend certain aspects. If your body was small enough, if you ate few enough calories, she was already kind of developing a toxic relationship with food that her mother just encouraged. Yeah. And she even mentioned too at at points that she would like show her mom half eaten or unfinished meals as like a something to be proud of and her mom would praise her for it. So it's just an awful, awful thing that her mom is creating and developing in her. Yeah, such a horrible cycle. And it actually got so bad, this strict diet that Jeanette's mom put her on, that it led to Jeanette needing a booster seat when she was 14 years old. I I cannot. I mean, hello, I was a giant at birth. So like I was out of the booster seat before it was even needed. But 
You know, I can't even imagine at 14. Yeah, 14. I mean, that is a teenage child. And to not be heavy enough to weigh down the car seat, the seat of the car and to for the car to detect that there was a kid there. That's pretty serious. All of this apparently came on when Jeanette started to reach puberty. And again, this is sort of a theme that we touched on earlier her mom just wanted to restrict Jeanette's eating and wanted to keep her infantilized, Ugh. which is so creepy. It's like oh a God. Peter Pan syndrome, but Ugh. as a parent, yeah. like trying to keep her this little girl forever. And it was no surprise and no secret to Jeanette's mom that if she could play a younger age, she would get a lot more roles. Right. So her mom would say, you can work longer hours on set. You can take direction better because you're older in truth. Right. But then you can star as this young kid and you've got all the faculties of an adult. So it's really just a creepy margin that she pushed her into. Absolutely. Like what mother is thinking that? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So this weird dynamic of Deborah keeping Jeanette young and keeping her young looking and light and little actually kind of trauma bonded the two together and which is so sad I mean like if psychology wasn't such a bitch it would have driven Jeanette away and she would have like escaped and been fine but of course because psychology is a bitch Jeanette was just bonded even closer to her mother because of this process yeah so Jeanette struggled from anorexia and bulimia for years because of the problematic patterns that her mother enforced and At last, she got help after her sister-in-law noticed the disorder, and there were also a myriad of health scares that Jeanette would go through, such as losing a tooth from puking so much. So, you know, essentially, Jeanette was regurgitating these stomach fluids that were harsh, harsh acids, and it wore down her tooth enamel so badly that she lost a tooth at, you know, as a teenager. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Ridiculous. And then along with that, she also had an instance where she passed out on Miranda Cosgrove's bathroom floor because she was so dehydrated. She wasn't getting the proper nutrition from food and drink. Right. So it's, it's clear that her mother was just making her unhealthy in the hopes of keeping her young. Right. Right. Yeah. Just absolutely sick. And now I think this gets even worse. We're getting to another layer here of the um, physical and sexual abuse that uh, occurred here from Deborah. So until Jeanette was around 16, her mother actually physically dressed her and bathed her every like every day for her for her whole life up, up until that point, even shaving her legs. And it's that like, that is like a doll. Like you were talking about earlier that she's just like a little doll or a little toy for the mom to parade around. Like this to me is like the prime example of that. Like she is dressing and bathing a 16 year old. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And the sad thing is uh, being homeschooled and being just kind of isolated, she didn't necessarily know that this was not normal or not right, you know? So it's just kind of all she's known. And um, her mom also, you know, when she would give her a bath or a shower, would perform vaginal and breast exams on her until she was 16, saying that it was a cancer screening. 
Like, just how sick ugh. can you get, really? And it's like, awful. And what authority does Mrs. McCurdy have to diagnose cancer in a 16-year-old? Right. Like based uh, on a digital exam. Like, forget it. No, no. Um, and Jeanette says that she does recall that she thought at the time uh she definitely didn't want cancer, you know, and because her mom had it, oh, she must know what to look for, which is just such a twisted you know, way for her mom to use something to abuse her. It's awful. And oh God, until she was 11, her mother would actually wash her along with her older brother who was 16 at the time. Like that is disgusting too. I just have no words for it. It's just awful. And obviously Jeanette and her brother were very uncomfortable and the brother would ask the mom, you know, can I, can I shower myself? Can I, you know, for once he kind of spoke up and Deborah sobbed and said she didn't want him to grow up. Oh, you got to stay little, like this weird obsession with that. And because they're so isolated and controlled by their mom, he never said anything again. He just went along with it. And the mom, like, this is no excuse here, but she would say, um, oh, I have to do the group showers because I just have so much to do. Uh, you got to shower your 11 and 16 year old together in like yeah, at all. You really have together. to save time. It's like that joke, save water, shower together, like, <laughs> right. aha, uh. but it, that's just that it's only a joke. And nobody right. would actually ever think that that would save time. God, like it, it's just absolutely awful. And I have to say, it's pretty brave of her to put this stuff out there in writing too. Like this is some pretty awful stuff and yeah it's gnarly yeah and yeah I um I wonder too I found you know when reading this stuff that thinking I wonder how those brothers are because that's disturbing for them too and it's sad that you know we had an instance of the brother actually speaking out in his own favor and trying to defend himself against this weird behavior And the mom just using psychological manipulation to pull him back in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. So sad. So unfortunately, fortunately, um, Deborah's cancer does return. And Jeanette said that when she was growing up, she felt like she could never say no to her mom because she was always so worried that her mom's cancer would come back. So Jeanette's mother's cancer did actually come back in 2013 when Jeanette was 21 years old and Jeanette was estranged from her mom. At that point, the cancer was back. And within that same year in 2013, the mother died, which is crazy. And clearly the mom was not that astute at checking for cancer because she got it and died shortly. Took her out. Yeah. She probably wasn't getting like checkups or following up on it. I'd assume like, yeah, not to speak ill of the dead, but mm. but before she did actually pass away, Deborah did still continue to abuse Jeanette. And what was really sad was Deborah saw pictures of Jeanette with her boyfriend on TMZ at one point, like shortly before her passing, and sent Jeanette a vicious email. And the email said this. You used to be my perfect little angel, but now you're nothing more than a little slut. A fat one too, she added. And more and more emails followed and every single email was more hostile than the last until finally Deborah tells Jeanette that she actually blamed Jeanette for the recurrence of her cancer. I mean, talk about 
crazy, first of all. Secondly, the guilt must oh have my just God. driven Jeanette batty. Like, how, who is expected to shoulder that? And least of all, a 21-year-old kid. Well, and one who this growing up was her biggest fear too. Like, and now her mom is blaming her for it. That's just awful. So after Jeanette's mom passed away, we get a family secret that comes out, which is pretty shocking. Jeanette's father, like I said, he stayed married to her mom this whole time, which is incredible. And after she passed away, he started dating again. And thank God for the girlfriend he was dating because she encouraged him to finally tell his children a deep family secret. Uh-oh, what's it going to be? Uh, it's pretty big. Uh, Jeanette's father was not actually her biological father. This is crazy to yeah. me. And not only that, Jeanette and two of the three brothers were also not his. So he was only the father of one of the brothers. This, okay. And uh, yeah, now- who do you want to tell us all who the father really was? Well, she doesn't go super into it, but like the full, full details. But essentially what it was, Jeanette's mom had a seven year affair with this other man. This <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I should have looked it up. I wonder if it's the oldest brother is the only one that is her father, the man who raised her. If he's the only child of that man. And then after that, like she just went into an affair and every other child that came along, he accepted. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, okay. Props to this dad, the adoptive dad for just like dealing with this wench. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? I just. Absolutely not. I'm not going to lie. It makes me wonder about his mental status well that's what I really wonder too is like what's the dad's role in all this is he just like a passive bystander or is he like stoking the fires and enabling the mom to continue on it really makes me wonder because that's a long time too so Jeanette did eventually meet her biological father and this is even more shocking even more twists and turns he told her that he was aware of his children And that when they were young, he actually like went to court and tried to get custody of them. But I guess, however, it came out um, in the custody battle, he was not allowed to have any type of relationship with them. That's nuts. And what does that say about the biological father? Exactly. What kind of guy is this that he's not allowed to have any relationship with them at all? And the, the the mother was the better choice. Yeah. Like what kind of monster was he that made the mother or was the mother so adept at psychological manipulation that she made it look like she was the better choice when in yeah. fact she was a monster. Like it definitely just, could be. Yeah. It opens up a whole can of worms. And again, I'm just so excited to read this book and figure uh, out kind of what the story was because who knows? So Jeanette said that she felt like she didn't know who she was and that she had no identity without her mom. So obviously her passing was incredibly disruptive, even though she was horrible and even though she was abusive, Jeanette was so enmeshed with her mother that there was no Jeanette without Deborah. She only knew herself as a product of her mother and a piece of her mother, an extension of her mother, that when her mother was no longer in the picture, who was Jeanette? She, there was nothing left. No identity. No identity, which is so scary. Like, oh my gosh, to be that wound up in another person that when they are gone, you just, you don't even know who you are. 
So when Jeanette first tried therapy, the therapist suggested that the mother might have been abusive. Shocker. Therapist was really hitting on some crazy. Oh, my God. How'd she get to that? Yeah, right. I'm sure the uh, bathing, you know, and the leg shaving and the vaginal exams didn't tip her off. So, but which is really sad though, because Jeanette probably didn't realize her mother was abusive until therapy and until these issues started coming out and talking through it with somebody outside of the family. Cause again, like we said, she was very bubbled. She was isolated from the rest of the world. She didn't know what normal was. So it's great that she did try therapy and that the therapist knew right away, Hey, these themes are looking like they're something. Yep. At the time when this came out, Jeanette just couldn't handle the idea that her mother was an abuser and that she was out for number one. She was only out to profit for herself and for Deborah alone. And this would just force Jeanette to reframe her entire relationship with her mom, but also everything she knew about herself. I mean, this is your whole childhood. This is your whole identity. She was lost. She had no idea. And at the point in time when she kind of was going through this identity crisis, she did leave behind the therapist because she just, it was too much to even confront. She was overwhelmed with this new reality and had no idea where to even start. So she just left the therapist, left therapy altogether and said, I'm out of here. I, I, this is too harsh a reality to even look into further. When Jeanette ended up going into treatment later on for her eating disorder, at that point, she started therapy up again. And it's actually great. I mean, it's so sad that she had this eating disorder, but had it not been for the eating disorder, Jeanette wouldn't have landed herself back in therapy and wouldn't have been able to unpack some of these crazy issues and accept the truth of her relationship with her mother. So it really ended up being a silver lining situation in the end. Yeah. And I think that was definitely the turning point for her. And like we said, this book has been a great success. And, you know, going forward, she kind of has set some boundaries with what she's going to do, what she wants to do. So she has refused and I guess refused. It just sounds harsh, but, you know, she declined appearing in the revival of iCarly because she said this time, you know, in the original show really reminded her of that time in her life with her mother's abuse. So protected her mental health. And currently she's working on a novel and a collection of essays, which will be similar in tone to I'm glad my mom died, but we'll pick up where that book leaves off. So going into the next stage of her life. So maybe you'll have a second book to read after you get through this one. (laughs) I am so excited to read this book and hopefully the second one as well in her collection of essays, because like I said, she is said to be a very talented writer. She has apparently has a natural gift. And now that she's doing what she actually wants to do instead of what she was forced to do, if she was as good at acting as she was when she never even wanted to do it in the first place, I mean, no wonder she's so great at something that she really does want to do. So we obviously, just like Amanda, wish Jeanette all the best in her future endeavors. It's so great that she was able to come up against such difficult odds and such a hard life and really has found a way to find humor in it all with that book title. I mean, my gosh, that is just so poignant that she was able to laugh at how 
nasty and horrible her situation was and come out the other side really like having a very firm grasp on who she is and what her life was and what that means for her moving forward. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is Betsy Boss Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.